Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can always download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 27-30 called Making Sense of Suffering. Making Sense of Suffering is the title. This is Philippians 1.27. It reads, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, verse 29, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. You may be seated. Father, thank you so much for your word. Making sense of suffering is a difficult, difficult topic. It's probably the number one issue that we wrestle with, the problem of evil, suffering in the world. Yet we know, we we just read a passage that addresses it, and it actually says that one of the graces of the Christian life, as weird as this may sound, is not just salvation, but it's suffering. And Paul talked about in Philippians 3, I want to know the power of your resurrection, Jesus, and even the fellowship of your sufferings. And you do something in suffering for the believer, Lord, that is unique. And something that it does do, I think, for all people is it causes us to realize that we are not in control and that we have to look up. And we have to make sense of why you allow suffering. And we're going to tackle a little bit of that today. And we need all the wisdom we can get, Father. So would you grant us that wisdom from your word? Would you grant us insights and application May our hearts be pleasing in the way that we respond to your word, and may you be glorified in these moments we have together. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. I don't have to tell you that the issue of pain and suffering is uh, prominent in people's minds and hearts. Uh, The Barna Barna Group, which does national polls, and this is a poll that came out and was actually recorded in Lee Strobel's book called The Case for Faith. Uh, the, a survey was taken and people were asked, if you could ask God one question and you know he would answer you before you die, what question would you ask him? And about one in five people responded, I would ask God why there's so much pain and suffering in the world. And that is a question that's on everybody's hearts, not just outside the church, but inside the church, no doubt. And we've come off, you know, two years of this whole COVID crisis And despite, you know, the different reports and different points of view that uh, may come in and the clarity that we're getting on some of the things uh, that it may have been overdone, at least in some cases, uh, still with that, we know there's a lot of people who lost their lives, a lot of people who suffered, a lot of people who were very scared and still are scared today. We kind of finally get some semblance of order back and some normalcy back only to see a war break out in Ukraine. I was just reading an article uh, yesterday where a ministry has uh, 
gone to Ukraine, and there's a woman who is doing widow and orphan ministry, trying to get food to people, which is one of the biggest needs right now, and trying to get basically widows and orphans out of the war zone. And she herself was kidnapped, apparently by Russian troops, and they don't know where she is. And uh, they're asking for prayer for her, and her name escapes me at the moment, but that's just one of many examples. You have someone go out with good intentions. They're basically just trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus and they get kidnapped and they don't know what's happened to her, if she's being tortured, if she's been killed, where she is, and on and on it goes. And we all know that at some point in the fallen world in which we live, suffering is going to hit as a thud on our porch and it's going to be like an early morning newspaper. Sometimes we may expect it. Sometimes we may not. But we have to wrestle with it. And it's a world, uh, it's a reality in the world that every worldview has to wrestle with. Why do we suffer? And can you make any sense of it? Uh, there are, you know, big names who have uh, commented on this very topic. For example, Richard Dawkins, Oxford University, renowned evolutionary thinker. He'd be a atheist naturalist, says... These words, in a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it or any justice. The universe, says Dawkins, we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at the bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. DNA neither knows nor cares. DNA just is, and we dance to its music. Close quote. Now that's a leading evolutionary naturalist who would argue that this world that we live in is simply the consequence of an explosion that happened billions of years ago. He would probably admit to you that he doesn't know where the stuff came from to explode and who's behind all of that. And how an explosion could cause the immense, incredible order that we see in the universe. But for Dawkins, that's where he has landed. That's his worldview. He believes that we're on a celestial ball in space and nobody's driving. And I don't know how that makes you feel, but personally, that doesn't help any of my sleeping at night. But we all know that we're not, we're not in this just to make us feel better. We don't, we don't want a panacea. We don't want just a pie in the sky idea where it's not corresponding to reality. But I have to tell you that the Christian worldview actually does correspond to reality. Because here's the basic idea. You are in a building right now. If you were to look up just for a moment, you'll see lights carefully placed. They have electrical lines going to them, doors and windows, technology, uh, the shell of a building, carpeting, cushy pews. We could go through all the details of this building. And if I told you that this building exists, it emerged over billions of years with the correct amount of lightning strikes, just hitting a soupy substance known as New England clam chowder. And then the building just over time emerged with all its intricate design, alarm system, etc. You would say, Pastor Michael, you're nuts. If I told you that my dream car might be a red Corvette, I'm not sure it is, but anyway, and I told you that 
the red Corvette that you observe with its wheels and rims and systems and motor and color and door and window and all that stuff, if I told you that it emerged over billions of years out of the ground, lightning strikes and just enough, uh, enough rain and, and all of this and <laughs> out comes, you know, the red Corvette just beautifully shined, ready for me to turn over the key. You would say, Pastor Michael, are you nuts? Yes, I, I, I agree. That's an amen from over here. Here's the thing. If there's a building, there's a builder. If there's a painting, there's a painter. If there's a car, there's a car designer and manufacturer. And if there's a creation then there's a creator. Amen? Now that's the logic of the Christian worldview. And I could talk to you about the incredible design of our bodies, our eyes, our circulatory system. The heavens declare the glory of God. Just the heavens alone, without even talking about humanity and the millions of forms of plants and animals, they all cry out that there's a creator. Now, if you have settled that question, and I think most of you have, then here's the next question. Okay, if there is a creator, why is there so much suffering in the world? If someone like Dawkins can take shots at the Christian worldview from over here, or a journalist says something like this, Stephen Turner, if chance be the father of all flesh, he's kind of going with this worldview, no God, disaster is his rainbow in the sky. And when you hear state of emergency or sniper kills 10 or youths go looting, bomb blasts in a school, it is but the sound of man worshiping his maker, close quote. In other words, if man is at, if this universe is all just about man, if man is at the center of it, if it's just about humanism, as we might call it, then man just does what he does and we could just chalk it up to survival of the fittest or you know whatever you however you would categorize it but here's what happens if there is a god who made the world and everything in it and he's going to wind up the times where is he and this is what people say where is he in the war in ukraine where is he when this worker was taken and you know kidnapped Where is he when my friend or family member has cancer? And on and on it goes, right? The problem of evil permeates everything. And in a fallen world, we're inevitably going to have it hit our lives. And we're going to have to face it. I told the story at first service. I'll tell it again. And I believe, Cherry, if you're watching from another state, we love you and we miss you. Uh, Pastor John had some um, CDs in his desk and he was going through some of his stuff and he found a memorial service from about 2012. In 2012, some of you will remember this, we had a wonderful elder, his wife, Cherry, who lives in a different state now. And Scott Arnold, one of our beloved elders, had been diagnosed with an inoperable brain cancer. Uh, At best, the doctors told Scott, people live about five years and that's if they're doing really well. So basically, the diagnosis, you have a couple years to live and you have an option. There is a surgery we can do. It's a life and death surgery where they open up your skull and that will only prolong your life. It's not going to fix this. It won't repair it. And the surgery is so invasive that you could die on the table. So Scott had to decide that and then had to know that even with the surgery, he would still have a short amount of time to live. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. You know, whatever you, however you would categorize it. But here's what happens. If there is a God who made the world and everything in it, and he's going to wind up the times, where is he? And this is what people say. Where is he in the war in Ukraine? Where is he when this worker was taken and, you know, kidnapped Where is he when my friend or family member has cancer? And on and on it goes, right? The problem of evil permeates everything. And in a fallen world, we're inevitably going to have it hit our lives. And we're going to have to face it. I told the story at first service. I'll tell it again. And I believe, Cherry, if you're watching from another state, we love you and we miss you. Uh, Pastor John had some um, CDs in his desk and he was going through some of his stuff and he found a memorial service from about 2012. In 2012, some of you will remember this, we had a wonderful elder, his wife Cherry, who lives in a different state now. And Scott Arnold, one of our beloved elders, had been diagnosed with an inoperable brain cancer. Uh, At best, the doctors told Scott, people live about five years, and that's if they're doing really well. So basically, the diagnosis, you have a couple years to live, and you have an option. There is a surgery we can do. It's a life and death surgery where they open up your skull, and that will only prolong your life. It's not going to fix this. It won't repair it. And the surgery is so invasive that you could die on the table. So Scott had to decide that. And then had to know that even with the surgery, he would still have a short amount of time to live. Scott opted for the surgery along with his lovely bride, praying through that and all of that. And the the video that we saw was Scott addressing our men and telling them to keep the faith that God was good. And Scott was a miracle because when he came out of that surgery, they didn't know, they thought he might have to relearn how to walk and talk. Well, he was articulate. He was telling jokes right after the surgery was done. So God had done some miracles. He had done some miracles in the hospital with Scott and Cherry's witness and so forth. But Scott did end up passing away. And he loved golf. 
And I remember that when he was, you know, kind of things were winding down and at least this side of heaven, we went out and played golf one day and he just wanted to be out there. And I remember, you know, he was standing over his golf ball and his vision had been impaired by the, the surgery and the cancer. And he swung and missed at the golf ball at least five times on this, this one hole we were on. And he swung and, and he missed the ball and then he tried to recover and, and, and my heart was breaking for him. Some of you say, well, that's my normal golf game. I swing and miss all the time. Well, we'll pray for you if that's the case. But, but, but I remember just being so heartbroken because I knew how much Scott loved golf. And he was just, he would have been happy if he just hit the ball and hit a ground ball. But it was hard. It was hard to watch. And it was hard uh, as things wound down and he had ongoing headaches. And there was, there was a good amount of suffering. And it's hard. It, it, it's very personal. You know, it, it, you, can, you can watch suffering from a distance and be somewhat, you know, you can keep yourself from it. You can switch the channel if you want to, so to speak. But we know when it hits close to home, it is very hard. And so what do we do with suffering? How do we make sense of it? How does Paul instruct us to navigate it? We have just a few verses. We're going to look at verse 27 of Philippians 1. And I'm reading from the NIV so we can see what Paul says here. He says, whatever happens, 127, he's talking about his situation. He's in prison as he writes this. He may get out, he may not. He may be released and see the Philippian church that he loves so much. Again, he may die. Caesar may just say, that's it, this guy dies. He says, whatever happens, 127, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Only conduct yourselves, New American Standard, part A of verse 27, worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, Christian suffering has been something that has marked the last two millennia. Eleven of the twelve apostles of Jesus Christ die a martyr's death. Those records are uh, of those stories are uh, in a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs, updated by uh, the band. Um, they wrote the the book is called Jesus Freaks DC Talk. And by the way, I think DC Talk. I think one of their members has now walked away from his faith, if I recall correctly. But anyway, they called the book Jesus Freaks, and it, and it went through and told those stories of how. Uh, Peter was crucified upside down and how others were killed uh, simply for holding to their confession of faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said it this way, a servant is not above his master. If they hated me, they're going to hate you as well. He said, in this world, you are going to have trouble. You are going to suffer like me, but you're going to become more like me as you go through that. And so... um, Christian suffering has marked the time. Uh, Those who look at statistics like this say that there's been more martyrs in the previous century, the last 100 years, than all the previous centuries combined. In fact, there was one study done of a period within the last 100 years where I think, if I recall this correctly, a Christian was dying every three minutes somewhere in the world simply for professing the Christian faith. And so this reality has permeated the culture throughout time. The West, we've been blessed because there's been a Judeo-Christian foundation in the West. 
But you know how things have gotten crazy. And of all places, it's gotten whacked out in Canada. James Coates has just co-authored a book with a man named Nathan Businitz. Nathan is a uh, teacher of church history at the Master Seminary, and he's now the vice president of the seminary. And they've co-authored a book called God and Government. And James Coates, pastor in Canada, recounts the story of how he and the elders of their church, I think it's called Grace Life Church, uh, decided to stay open during uh, COVID because they knew that they needed to minister to their people. And whoever felt comfortable coming, they wanted to keep their doors open during a very you know, critical time. Well, the Canadian government said, if you have a sanctuary of 500, that's about what this is right here, five, 600 people. They said you could bring in 15% of your sanctuary's capacity. Well, James said that the kind of church we are, we not only all meet together, but we eat together. We spend the whole day fellowshipping, fellowshipping together. And he said, what am I going to do? If I tell the church 15% capacity, that means I'm going to have to do about 12 church services on a Sunday morning to try to minister to all the people that God has as part of his family. So they decided through prayer and through agreement, through what we would call civil disobedience, to stay open. Some of you know this story. James Coates, pastor of a church in Canada. Canada is only known for maple syrup, as far as I can recall. Sorry if you're Canadian. They threw him in prison for 35 days. His crime? Keeping his church open during COVID. In Santa Clara County, uh, I've shared the story before, but it's relevant. They find a Calvary Chapel, $1.5 million in fines. And I think the court cases are still going on simply because they said, our church is in the middle of town. There's many broken people, many people dealing with fear and depression. We can't close the doors. And they kept them open fine after fine after fine after fine. Now, those are some modern examples of what the church has faced, but it's, it's faced obviously much worse things. And so the idea of conduct comes to the fore. Only, says Paul, the idea of the language, this one thing is what you should do. Conduct yourselves worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what you need to do, this one thing. The language literally could be rendered only this thing. It would be as if the sign of the language would be, if I said to you, if I put my one finger up and said, only this. That's what Paul is saying. This and this alone. You've been listening to Making Sense of Suffering, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 27-30. And if you missed any part of today's program, don't worry. You can always listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your donation helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. It's also part of how we're able to offer our 633 apologetic events for free. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes to help create this radio and podcast program, too. So we're very grateful to our financial and prayer partners. We seriously thank you. Now, if you're a longtime listener to Walk in Truth, would you please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month? Every bit helps, so please pray about it and then visit walkintruth.com to donate. If you can't give right now, would you please become a prayer partner? No need to sign up for that. 
just keep this ministry in your prayers. But if you can give a donation, please visit walkintruth.com today. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. We have a precious week of Vacation Bible School coming up at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Now, lots of churches do Vacation Bible School. You might ask, what is that? What's VBS? Well, VBS is Vacation Bible School, and it's usually a week-long kind of a camp at churches during the summer where kids have a chance to learn all about Jesus and how to know him and walk with him. It's a lot of fun. There's usually a lot of great music. There's uh, games, there's food, there's uh, crafts, there's uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, rooms that have little uh, plays going on that fit with the theme. This year's theme is Zoomering at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. We're right off the 91 freeway and Lincoln Avenue in the city of Corona. And VBS, Vacation Bible School, is for 5 to 12-year-olds. It's running from July 25th through the 29th. So it's basically one week, Monday through Friday, and it is so much fun. Uh, Many children make their first-time commitment to the Lord uh, through Vacation Bible School, and many parents come along for the ride, if you know what I'm saying. And they get more serious about their faith when they see something cool happening in their child. Oh, how we need this for our children in this crazy world. Get them to Vacation Bible School. You can sign up through the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app, free on your app store. Download Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's a pillar logo. Sign up your child uh, there online or call us with questions about how to sign up at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Sign up your child today. And I would love to meet you during Vacation Bible School Week. God bless you. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 27 through 30, called Making Sense of Suffering. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.